0: Hi, and welcome to the Little Ferraro Kitchen Food Show. I am Samantha with the Little Ferraro Kitchen. I'm a food blogger, a cookbook author, and a cooking instructor. On this show, we'll be talking all about weeknight cooking, recipes, fun ingredients. Basically, if you love cooking and love talking about food, this is the place to be. Welcome back to the Little Ferraro Kitchen cooking show. My name is Samantha Ferraro, your host. And if you love cooking and love talking about food as much as I do, you are in the right place. So don't go anywhere. We have a fantastic episode for you today because, of course, we're going to talk about delicious recipes to make at home. And before I get into what our episode topic is, I always like to share a little bit about what we've been cooking in our kitchens over the last week. And we made such a delicious chicken salad bowl a few dates ago, I'm still dreaming about it and kind of like envisioning myself licking the bowl because it was so delicious. But what we made was kind of a play on a chicken satay. So if you're familiar with that Thai dish, most Thai restaurants have it, it's a chicken satay. And usually you would order it and it would be uh, chicken pieces that are skewered onto a small wooden skewer. And there's lots of really delicious flavors bright flavors, umami, there might be some coconut in there or a peanut sauce. So I took that idea and I kind of ran with it and I didn't follow a recipe. And what emerged was a really fun play in a big salad bowl. So lots of flavors, lots of textures And what I did was I took some chicken thighs, boneless, skinless chicken thighs, and I made a sauce to marinate it in. And what I did was I took about a half a can of regular coconut milk and I mixed that with some ginger, some garlic, a little fish sauce. I really like fish sauce. It offers a really nice salty bite to it. It doesn't taste fishy, but it has a really nice depth of flavor. Just a few little shakes in there. And I also added a little lime juice, a little sriracha just for some heat because I like that. And then to get that beautiful golden color that we normally see on chicken satay, I added a little curry powder. And I, if you didn't have curry powder, a little turmeric would be fantastic. And I just whisked that together. I poured about half of it onto the chicken. And it was so delicious that I saved the other half to use as a topping because it had such a fantastic flavor. And then as I was prepping the rest of the dinner, I let that chicken marinate in that beautiful sauce. I put it in the fridge for a little while. And then I used a grill pan, just like you would grill those chicken satays. And I took those chicken thighs and I took my grill pan, I oiled it and I just grilled in a really high heat to get those really nice marks, just like you would see on a skewer of chicken satay. And it was fantastic. So that was just one element of the bowl. I also did coconut rice, which was really fun. So if you were to make um, rice like you normally would, usually it's a two to one ratio, which means that there's two parts liquid to one part of rice. So you would do two parts of stock or water and one part of rice. So I did, I think we did like a cup of rice and then two cups of liquid. And instead of the stock or water that I normally would, I substituted with the rest of that coconut milk. And at that point, there was more water in that can than milk, which was perfect. And it made the most delicious uh, coconut rice that was really lightly fragrant. It wasn't overpowering. It was just like, hmm, what is that? And then while that was going, I also made a really quick pickle. And for me, a quick pickle is, you know, I I don't even have to think about it. I, I don't even put it in the refrigerator. I just kind of put it in a bowl and hope for the best. But what I did was I made a quick cucumber onion, and carrot pickle, and I sliced the vegetables really thin. I put it in a bowl, and then I poured some sweet rice wine vinegar, which has um, a lot more sweetness than other vinegars, and it pickled it, and it kind of made the vegetables a little bit pliable, but still kept their crunch in the vegetables, and the combination of the kind of sweet rice with that charred chicken with that coconut flavor and the bright, pickly vegetables, and then I had some salad greens to go with it. It was absolutely fantastic. And I also had a peanut sauce that I made. I've talked about it previously, and I will link my recipe for the peanut sauce. But really, almost the same thing that I did with the coconut marinade. I just took some peanut butter, and I added a lot of those same flavors. So ginger, and garlic, and lime juice, and fish sauce and sriracha, or if you don't like heat, you can take it away, and a little fish sauce and soy sauce. And I take some warm water just to thin it through, and I blend it until it's a nice, pourable consistency. And I just pour that and drizzle it all over my salad. And it was absolutely fantastic. Again, I apologize because I do not have a harder recipe (laughs) for that. But it was really, really good. I will link to the peanut sauce. But if you have a twist on your version or if this inspired you to make it at home, I would love to hear about it. Really, it's one of those really fun dinners where you're just kind of grabbing different ingredients and seeing what you have and putting it together. And then you taste as you go. That's my favorite way of cooking. Now, on to this week's episode topic. We are a week away from Valentine's Day. Now, we stay home for Valentine's Day because One year, we went out on, I think it was like the 13th or the 15th. And we thought, oh, everyone already went out to dinner. Let's just go out to dinner. And it was so busy. (laughs) So we vowed ever since to never go out the weekend of Thanksgiving. And instead, we enjoy time at home and we are cooking. And now I am going to tell you some of my favorite recipes to make that are romantic, delicious, and so comforting. It wouldn't be a proper Valentine's dinner without starting with some lovely appetizers. And the first thing that I can think of that is so quick to make and really impressive is Spanish garlic shrimp. We had a very similar recipe when we were in Spain a few years ago and have been making it ever since. And it's a breeze to make. So what's so delicious about this recipe is that there is a good amount of garlic, a good amount of olive oil, and paprika to give it a little smokiness and a little color as well. I also like to char some lemon and add that as well. And the combination of the garlic and the lemon and that lovely fresh shrimp with the spices is so fantastic. And I like to get some crusty bread and just dip into that flavorful oil. It is absolutely delicious. So all you have to do is get a really hot skillet, slice some garlic, add a good amount of olive oil, add those garlic in and then get that nice and crispy. And then I like to stir in some smoked paprika because I love that smoky flavor. Add in the shrimp and then just cook the shrimp until they just turn pink. A good rule of thumb, I've said this before, is if it uh, turns into a C, that means the shrimp are cooked. But once those shrimps start to curl and curl into an O, that means they're overcooked. So you don't need any more than maybe two to three minutes at the most in total, depending how big your shrimp are. And then once that's done, you can add it to a serving platter with some bread and some lemon wedges. And it's such a delicious, easy appetizer. Another favorite appetizer are oysters. Now, normally we would eat raw oysters for Valentine's and they are absolutely delicious. And we are so lucky to live very close to Taylor's Shellfish where we can get the freshest, most delicious oysters. But have you ever tried baking your oysters or charbroiling your oysters? It is a whole other world <laughs> once you get those oysters nice and charred. And it's a little bit more work, but once you shuck your oysters, it's pretty easy from there. So get some shucked oysters. And then all you have to do is just make a really simple compound butter. And I've made it, you know, I didn't even have to make a compound butter, I just kind of add the ingredients on the oyster. But what you have to do is once your oysters are shucked, you take a few little knobs of butter and put that on the oyster. And then I like to do a little shake of paprika or cayenne if you like a little bit more heat and grate or chop some garlic and then add a little garlic to each oyster. And then I also like to add some lemon zest or if you have some lemon juice, just squeeze that over. And then I put it right under a flaming hot broiler. And I just let that crisp up a little bit, just a little bit until the juice in that oyster starts to bubble. I mean, no more than a few minutes. And then remove that from the oven and then finish it with some grated Parmesan cheese and some fresh herbs such as parsley or basil. And it is so delicious. The butter and the oyster make their own sauce in the shell. And once you you slurp that oyster up and then you drink some of that liquid, oh, it is so good. Now, this next idea is something I could eat every single day and be happy. And and honestly, even in the winter months, this is something that we eat, I would say, at least once or twice a week and in the summer, probably five days a week. I'm not even kidding. But it is my roasted cherry tomatoes with burrata and a little basil oil. It is so easy to put together and everyone always raves about it. All you have to do is take a pint of cherry tomatoes, doesn't matter what color they are. And then I put that in a small to medium baking dish. If I have a shallot hanging around or I have a few garlic cloves or a small red onion, I will chop that up and just throw that in. Then I drizzle everything with some olive oil. I give it a good sprinkle of kosher salt, a good sprinkle of black pepper. If you have a little balsamic, I do a little drizzle sometimes if I'm in the mood. And then I pop that in a really hot oven. I think it's like 425 is what I normally do. And I just let that go until the tomatoes get super soft and super jammy and some of them uh, start to form a kind of a charred crust and that's when you know they are really good and it'll be smoking hot when you take it out of the oven and the oil will be bubbling and the garlic will be super caramelized and sweet and tender And then what I like to do is I take some burrata cheese. And if you're not familiar with what burrata cheese is, it's really similar to mozzarella cheese. But instead, burrata is a ball of mozzarella, but inside has a really soft cheese. So when you open up this ball of mozzarella, the inside, that really soft cheese, I think they call it stretchatella you know, almost oozes out and just pours out. It's one of my favorite cheeses. It's so delicious. And because it's so soft, I don't often cook with it. Instead, I will put it on something. So I'll put it on a salad or something that's warm, because the warmth of your dish will slowly melt that cheese and it is lovely. (laughs) So what I like to do is once the tomatoes come out of the oven, I let that cool for a few minutes or I will put it in a serving bowl. And then I take that burrata cheese and I just put it right in the middle and I just let people help themselves. And if you cannot find burrata cheese, a really soft, fresh mozzarella cheese would work absolutely perfectly. And then to make a basil oil, it's super easy and you don't have to do this, but if you want to, you know, impress someone, I think it's really nice. But all you have to do is blend together some fresh basil leaves, some olive oil, a little lemon juice, and a little salt and blend that until everything's emulsified. And it's almost like a thicker olive oil. And then I just take a spoon and I just drizzle it all over the tomatoes and all over the cheese and then get some crusty bread and just go to town because there's so much flavor. All the juices from the tomatoes and the cheese and the oil and the basil. Oh, so, so good. I mean, we can take all those appetizers and make that into a fantastic dinner main course. I would be very okay with that. But most of us will be making a main course. And for those that are, here are a few of my favorite main courses to make for Valentine's dinner. My number one is braised short ribs. I also have talked about this in the past. It's one of my favorite beef recipes. And this is one of those recipes where you can make it in one pot, let it go, but you do need some time. So this is not a recipe to make, you know, after work and you know, oh I just want to make something nice. You really do need a few hours, a good amount of time to really get those short ribs to fall apart. Start by taking your short ribs and dredging them in some seasoned flour, so flour that's been seasoned with salt and pepper, and then lightly oil a Dutch oven and sear those short ribs on all sides until a really nice deep crust forms. So this is uh, called, well, the whole dish is really a cooking term called braising, so this is what you're going to do. But right now, you're creating something called fond. All those little bits that you get if you were making a steak, for instance, or chicken, all those little meaty bits that get stuck on the bottom of the pan that is called fond and then after that you're going to remove the meat and then there you're going to start sauteing some of your aromatics so if you have some onion carrot uh, some garlic and then saute that in that same beef and oil fat Now you're going to do something called deglazing. And this is when you want to take a liquid, you're going to pour it in and then you're scraping all those bits up. So because we are making short ribs, red wine is a lovely companion. But of course you can do any kind of liquid. You can do stock. You can do beef stock, chicken stock, water. Some people do balsamic vinegar. That's not my taste, but really any kind of liquid that you would enjoy drinking or eating that has good flavor. Is perfect to deglaze with. So add a good amount of red wine, and because we are making red wine braised short ribs, I add at least uh, one to two cups. And then I take a spatula or a wooden spoon and I start scraping all those bits. And all those bits are going to give your stock and your whole dish fantastic depth of flavor. So now, after you are deglazing, you're also going to do something called reducing. And now, usually with alcohol, this is when you're taking that liquid and you're reducing the flavor. You're cooking off the alcohol and you're reducing that liquid to just give it a really nice layer and depth of flavor. So I like to reduce my liquid until it's at maybe about half. And you can tell because it'll get thicker. It won't be as watery and loose. And then from there, you can really add everything back in. So I add the short ribs back in. If you have any more vegetables that you want to put in, maybe some potatoes or sweet potatoes. If you have some fresh herbs, I like to put in whole stems of rosemary and a bay leaf and thyme. Throw that in. And then I like to pour a little bit more stock or red wine just until it meets the short ribs. And because we are cooking the short ribs for so long, it needs liquid to soften and to cook with. So this can be anywhere from another three to four cups. And I like to do an additional cup of red wine and I'll add some more beef stock as well. And as it cooks for a few hours, again, that sauce that you just added, that liquid is going to reduce to create a really fantastic sauce. So then once that's in, I crank up the heat and I let it boil because this just kind of gives it a head start in the cooking process. And then I put a lid over it and I pop it in the oven. Uh, I think 300 or 325, 350 is what I do. I'll link the recipe. I don't remember offhand. And then I just let it go for hours and hours. And I let it cook for I would say about three hours. And what should emerge is incredibly tender short ribs, the meat should fall apart from the bone, the sauce should have thickened and reduced. And you can tell because whenever a liquid reduces, you can kind of see the line on the the, the inside of the pot where you pour the liquid and then as it started <laughs> slowly to thicken and reduce, and I would say your sauce should have thickened by at least a third. And your vegetables should be nice and tender. And then once you're done, I mean, that takes, I would say, at least three hours. Let it cool slightly, and then dinner is served. I'd like to top it with some fresh herbs or serve it with some mashed potatoes or creamy polenta. Or, I mean, I, I'm i okay just eating it by itself. It's so fantastic. Or some creamed cauliflower And I promise you, this is gonna be the simplest, most delicious recipe and perfect for Valentine's Day. Now on to another recipe idea. Of course, most of us are probably going to enjoy some Italian food, which is one of my favorite cuisines. And there is a recipe that I just shared on my social media this week, and it's for chicken saltimbocca. You may have heard of it, but traditionally, chicken saltimbocca are pounded chicken cutlets that are layered with prosciutto and basil. Oh, I'm sorry, not basil, sage, (laughs) sage leaves, and they are seared until cooked, and then the chicken cutlets are very thin, and then they are served with a really light kind of buttery wine sauce. Now, I have a version on my website that I will link as well, and it still stays true to the form of salt and but mine has a little bit of a twist. So instead of sage leaves, I layer it with fresh basil leaves, and I also add a little sprinkling of herbs of Provence, which I think just gives it a really nice aromatic flavor over. And instead of prosciutto, I add speck. Now speck is very similar to prosciutto. Prosciutto is that cured meat that we're used to, but speck is smoked. So if you like that smoky flavor, look for speck when you are shopping for prosciutto. So all you have to do is take some really thin chicken cutlets. I like to pound them until they're very thin. And then because chicken is kind of, you know, sticky as it is, all you have to do is take a a fresh basil leaf and then just layer it onto the chicken. It will stay there naturally adhere to the chicken and then take a slice of speck or if you have prosciutto that works too and put that right on top and then sometimes I will lightly dredge it in some flour just to give it a little extra coating and then I sear it in a pan with a little oil until both sides are cooked and then I remove it and then I use that same pan to make a really light buttery wine lemon sauce and then I serve that with the chicken and you can serve that with some pasta on the side or some roasted vegetables or some broccoli rabe would be really delicious, but it's a really easy, a really flavorful recipe. And another favorite Italian recipe – uh, something that I probably will be making <laughs> for our Valentine's dinner because it's, it's a favorite, is my vodka pink sauce. It's beautiful in color. It's a blush. It's comforting. It's satisfying. It does take some time. So just letting you know, but all you have to do is you start by making a classic red sauce. So I like to saute some onion or shallot, some garlic. I add some oregano and you want to add some vodka for the vodka pink sauce, and then the vodka actually gives it a really nice sheen when you mix it with the noodles, and uh, a, a little you know different flavor than wine would, almost like a brighter note. And then once you add the vodka, you want to let that reduce as well until the alcohol cooks off. And then from there, I add some crushed tomatoes. And then you can do one or two things. Sometimes in a quick night, I will just let it simmer on the stove for 20 minutes. But if you have the time, pop this in the oven for an hour and let those tomatoes reduce. It'll get sweeter and absolutely delicious. If not, it's okay. And then if you have more of a chunkier texture, you can blend it in a blender or using an immersion blender to make it nice and smooth and then pour in some heavy cream you don't need much maybe about a quarter to a half a cup and it will make the creamiest sauce if you have some parmesan cheese or pecorino i like to grate a good amount in there and if you have any fresh oregano or some red pepper flakes, that would be absolutely fantastic as well. And then for a pasta, I'd like a really big hearty noodle for this, so a rigatoni or a penne or even shells would be really awesome because the sauce is a little bit on the thicker side so it can handle a big pasta that it wants to cling to. And then from there, I just serve it as is. I add a little drizzle of olive oil on top, and of course, I always like to, as I say. Say the marriage is to mix the sauce with the pasta. So, once you cook the pasta, you want to add it directly to the sauce and just toss that together so all those little nooks and crannies get coated with the sauce. And it is such a comforting, satisfying dinner. I can, another thing I can eat almost every day. Have I said that before? And of course, it wouldn't be Valentine's Day without ending on a sweet note. <laughs> Some of my Favorite desserts, and here's the thing: I'll be honest with you. If we're cooking for at least two meals and two courses for Valentine's Day, I'm getting dessert out. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Usually, dessert is something that I will pick up from a local bakery or the store the morning of or the day before because we've been cooking all day. <laughs> I think I think we deserve it. However, if you do insist on making your own dessert, and I always applaud you if you do, I would just suggest to plan ahead because. you're Usually desserts take a little bit longer than a dinner, and you might have to plan ahead. So some of my favorite dessert recipes is, of course, tiramisu, one of my go-tos always. But tiramisu is a lot of work. I will include a recipe link to my amaretto tiramisu, but it's a lot of work. You need to layer ladyfingers. You need to make a sabayon, which is a thickened egg yolk cream. And then you also have to make a whipped cream and then you layer it all together and it needs to sit in the fridge for at least eight hours. It's not something that you want to make the same day, but I will add a link. It's worth to make it just plan ahead. And another favorite recipe, which is a little bit easier, but also takes some time, is a Basque cheesecake. Now, this is uh, not a traditional cheesecake that we are used to, but it is inspired from the Basque area of Spain, which borders France. And a few years ago, we were lucky enough to attend this small restaurant. It's called La Vina that invented this Basque cheesecake. And now it's this really well-known tourist destination. And what a Basque cheesecake is, is, well, where it's from, but also the style of cheesecake. It's a crustless cheesecake that is cooked in the oven for a long period of time. And what happens is the very top of the cheesecake uh, creates this um, almost like this really deep caramel, almost burnt layer. They also call it a burnt cheesecake. But it's one of those flavors where it's like a caramel, where it's like burnt but sweet. It's not bitter at all. But again, it's really quick to make. But once it's in the oven, it cooks for an hour. And then when the the cheesecake comes out, it's inflated and like really puffy and very soft. But you have to let it cool down. Because if you cut into it when it's hot, the whole cheesecake will just like pour out it needs to set. So give yourself a few hours even the day before to make this but it's really an easy one to whip up it takes maybe less than 20 minutes just to whip up and pour into your cheesecake pan. But once it's done, just let it sit and it is fantastic. It's sweet and a little caramely. There's no crust. It's really easy to put together. I can eat this cheesecake every single day. (laughs) I hope some of these ideas and recipes inspired you to cook at home this Valentine's Day season. And I look forward to hearing and seeing what you make in your kitchens. For all the recipes, I will include the link in the show notes. And of course, you can find me all over social media. I am on Facebook at The Little Ferraro Kitchen. I am on Instagram at Ferraro Kitchen. And you can head to my website at littleferrarokitchen.com. Happy cooking. Happy Valentine's Day. And I will see you in the kitchen next time.